0: Well, we've been looking at the prophet Elijah and last time we were talking about him in our series, we considered how the fire fell from heaven and he, when he put that wood in order on the altar and, it, you know, it's speaking of the fact that it's so powerful when we order our lives in God's ways, according to his word, uh, you know, when you think about it, so many suffer in life because they're out of alignment with God's ways. You know, simply because they haven't done what he has said and and done followed his way of of walking and you know, it's not that we don't experience difficulties, but it's there's a difference and there's a confidence when you know you're walking in God's ways. You know, it's kind of like we looked at it's because you know there's no little foxes there's no little holes in your defense that the enemy can get in and cause you to be, you know, be paying tribute to him, as we looked at in another message. But, but sometimes we experience the depths of the trials that we go through, like Elijah here. You know, He had only just been seeking to do what pleased God, and he felt very alone in doing so, as if he was the only one left following God. And that's kind of the last place we saw him in as God was meeting with him. And um, you know, he was basically declaring, Lord, I can't go any any further. This is as far as I can go. I don't have any more strength left to follow you. But yet we know that the angel came and touched him, you know, gave him food and and touched him, you know, kind of speaking of an impartation, but Uh, it wasn't enough for Elijah. He was in such a a state that he rolled back over and went to sleep. And sometimes we do that with the Lord. You know, he touches us and speaks to us and give us, gives us the things we need and so forth. And we're like, Oh Lord, I can't do it. We roll over. But in, in one sense that can be kind of encouraging for us because here's Elijah, he's the prophet and he's one of the anointed ones that stand before the whole Lord of the whole earth. And he knew weakness. He knew what it was like to be at that place where he didn't, he didn't have the strength. And, you know, so that can be in one sense, that can be an encouragement to us. Well, if Elijah went through it, we can expect times of weakness and discouragement and so forth, but yet we can also expect his touch where he will empower us. If we'll keep our eyes upon him. And, and so, you know, even if, Sometimes God gives us opportunity and speaks to us and we stumble and we don't respond the first time. We don't want to just stay in that place. That's not good. But God is merciful. His angel came and touched Elijah the second time and he was empowered. Not to obtain the immediate victory, but to go on, to continue unto the holy mountain. And, And so now I want to turn to 1 Kings 19 and consider Elijah coming to God's holy mountain because God wanted to teach a few things to him. And we mentioned this in a previous message, but I just want to bring something out or a couple things out about this experience Elijah has on the mountain. And and so the Lord is speaking to him and, and let's read this in 1 Kings 19 verse 9. And it says, Elijah came unto a cave and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's kind of a funny question (laughs) for the Lord to ask Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And, you know, we know God empowered him to come, so God wanted him to be there. And so it's kind of, it's almost like the Lord's giving him a rhetorical question, meaning the Lord's trying to make a point with him, not trying to get an answer from Elijah because God knew very well why Elijah needed to be here. But the question is, did Elijah know why he needed to be there? And, you know, we can notice something in the response in verse 10 that Elijah gives. And he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of, of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars and they slain your prophets with the sword. And I even... Own, I, I only am left. And also, they're seeking my life to take it away. Now, when you think about his response, this is what really struck me, as I would kind of hadn't really thought about this before. What was What was Elijah's main problem? You would think that it would be Jezebel and his army, her army out searching for him and so forth. But, you know, that's not the first thing he says. That's not what he brings up. He says, Lord, I've been jealous for your ways. I've been faithful. I've been declaring your truth. But then he says, they have forsaken you. They have thrown down your altars. They have slain the prophets. And so Elijah had probably contemporaries, you know, other prophets, or those in the, the company of the prophets that we're going to see later on in, in Elisha's day. But they were killed when they prophesied the word of the Lord. And so something that was quickened to me that I hadn't really considered about Elijah that is that he was disappointed because of other people. He was disappointed because of how he was seeing other people. They weren't responding to God. They weren't he wasn't seeing the results that he was looking for, or you know, he, he wasn't happy with the reactions he was receiving from people, and his eyes were upon people. And he became very discouraged. He labored diligently for the Lord. He endured hardship. He was an example of righteousness. And those stubborn people, they just couldn't get it. You think they would? I mean, hey, he's, he's one of the anointed ones who stands before the, the Lord of the whole earth. You think that his ministry would be effective? Well, even Jesus. You know, if you look at his ministry... He really had a, a handful that were really faithful to him. And the rest, they didn't hear his voice either. Even after Mount Carmel, when the people saw the true and living God, they knew who, who God was. But there wasn't really a change. At least that he could see, right? Because Ahab and Jezebel, they were still in charge. And he had to flee from them. And so Elijah is discouraged because of what he's seeing in other people. The reaction of other people. After all he had done and all he endured and persevered for, he didn't see a change. And so Elijah is asking himself, and he's kind of like sharing his heart with the Lord, is it really worth it? Is it worth it for everything I've done? Sometimes we can come to the same place. right? We can think all of all of our efforts for God or just being faithful to God, and we're not seeing the results the fruit that we we expect that we want to see and you know maybe we've done work for the lord in witnessing or just making a stand for righteousness or praying for long hours or seeking god to for something to come to pass enduring trusting trying to just to do good for god after a while you you say you know i've been looking for some fruit for this it's a little disappointing that i haven't seen what i expected What I was believing for. And it can be discouraging and it can cause us to want to despair. Now this is not a a small or a light topic when you think about it. Because it's really, it's one of the areas where we can be deeply tested in our lives. And in reality, both of the anointed ones of God were tested in this very area. It was actually the cause of the deepest trials of their life. Moses. What was the worst trial that he went through? Well, it was when he had to deal with people in the wilderness. And there was a specific instance, right? Because he was hoping for a change, at least some. Lord, at least can I have a handful (laughs) who would make it into the promised land? The Lord says, I'll give you two. (laughs) He had Caleb and Joshua. After all of those years, in the wilderness of him, just being faithful of him going up into the mountain, receiving, having the glory of God visible upon him. And those people, they didn't get it. Only two of them made it into the promised land of, of the, the older ones anyway. And so there was that instance where they came to him again. This is the second time now where they said, there's no water. You've brought us into the wilderness to kill us. That's really what you wanted to do here. That was your, your motive. And so they are saying that to him, but really they are saying against God. And I think he'd just been like, what do you, what does it take for you to get it? That God wants to meet with you to teach you to trust in him and believe in him. Haven't you seen all the miracles and so forth? And, and so he takes it to the Lord and the Lord says, okay, gather the people. We're going to, this is, this is, the second time, he'd already had water from a rock. And so now he said, we're going to do it again. But Moses was so disappointed and frustrated with the people. With what was going on in that group. God told him to speak to the rock this time and water would come forth. And so we can read that numbers 20 in verse 10. It says, Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, hear now, you rebels, Must we fetch you water out of this rock again? And Moses lifted up his hands with the rod and he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Well, hey, problem solved. They got water out of the rock, but Moses was not happy. And sometimes you have to deal with difficult people, and you can identify with Moses here a bit, and when, you know, he's coming to to bring us a solution to their problem. But he also says, you rebels, you can, I mean, part of us can kind of forgive Moses for that, (laughs) for saying that, but, you know, but what he did, said and did was also not right because we know there were consequences to his actions out of his frustration and anger and so forth, because God said to him, speak to the rock and water will come forth. And he did that for a purpose. You know, the first time in, in Exodus 17, the Lord said, smite the rock. You just whack that rock with your stick and water is going to come gushing out. But now, just before the promised land, as they're, they're about to enter in, the Lord says, speak to the rock and water will gush out. And so, you know, those were a symbol to us. The first time of hitting that rock is kind of like the old covenant. The law. The law. The Law points out what we did wrong. no one likes that right it's kind of like getting smitten. You know, kind of like if uh back in the day, a young person who talked back to their dad they could expect a whack right that the law points out our faults, and every time our faults are pointed out, we feel like we're getting smitten by the law and so forth. But the problem is there's no power to change there's no there's no initiative to say oh now i can change we just see what we what's what's wrong in our lives but you know in the new covenant there is a power there's a power and there's grace to change as we you know we're we still have to see what is wrong in our lives but there's power to overcome in that so the lord said the second time speak to the rock and the water will flow and so really the thought in the new covenant it's it's his voice that brings life As we receive his word in our hearts, life flows from us and grace and strength to do his will. And so his voice is the key. And and we're going to look at that more in a minute. But as you see that when Moses struck that rock, it was because of what he saw in other people. His eyes were on them and it caused him to strike the rock. Like Elijah, he was disappointed and frustrated and angry because his eyes were on the people and the natural situation before him. And it caused him to do something very rash. And it affected his inheritance. It limited him from entering into the promised land. He could only see it from afar off. And so, you know, there's that lesson. We want to be so careful of having our perspective just in what we see with our eyes in In our natural situation, in other people, by only seeing what by only looking at what we can observe in the natural, it can cause us to say and do rash things. Bless you. I was reminded of the disciples. they said something rash, at least two of them did. Remember when they were traveling with Jesus and they wanted to enter a certain city. But the city wouldn't receive them. And so the disciples, well, two of them were upset by the reaction of the people. And they said this in Luke 9, 54. It says, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, that this city would not accept Jesus, they said, Lord, would you like us to command fire to come out of heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Dear James and John, well, they were being scriptural, you know, like Elijah, right? And now we're coming back to Elijah here. Elijah did bring fire upon his enemies, but, you know, the disciples saw this unholy response from the town, from these people not allowing the Lord to come into their lives and work in their midst, rejecting His work, that upset them. And rightly so. I mean, that would be very upsetting in that sense, to be with the Lord. And, and, you know, sometimes you are offering people the truth, and they reject it, and you feel this in that same way. And so they said, Lord, let them have it. Let fire come down. Let consume these wicked people because they've rejected your work. But the Lord said to them, you don't understand. You don't understand. That is not the spirit I want you to flow in. I have come to save, not to destroy. Now there, there is a time when God will come to destroy. When he does come, there's a line people can cross and it's a line of judgment. But you know, until God declares that we want to flow in this spirit I have come to save I've come to have mercy I've come to share the truth and to appeal to people's hearts if by chance they might have repentance and accept and acknowledge the truth and so we see in Elijah and Moses in the disciples right this the danger of looking at, at just looking at people and having that perspective. Well, what's the answer? We've already kind of partly considered it, but I wanted to look at it from Elijah. Is How did he get a right perspective? How did he get an answer to his situation? Maybe he was in the same thing as the disciples. Lord, I want some of that fire to come down on Ahab and Jezebel. Well, we see in the next verses back in 1 Kings 19, Verse 11, and and the Lord said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the still small voice. The Lord presented these different examples to him, and perhaps these could represent um, what we think needs to take place when people don't respond to God. Lord, send your wind, and you know maybe you could we could think of Lord, send your hurricane, send your typhoon upon the ungodly, those who are not following you and responding to you, or these people that are causing me trouble, or this situation that's before me. Lord, send your your wind, and just break it up. And sometimes God does that when he wants to move on our behalf. But we need to hear his voice. Alright? Or the earthquake, Lord, shake those things. And sometimes that is our response. You better watch out. God's going to bring an earthquake. He's going to bring a shaking. We've already heard about the fire. But I was struck by this phrase It says, the Lord was not in any of those things. The Lord was not in any of those things. And you know, the problem that Elijah and Moses and the disciples really had is that they were pursuing situations where the Lord was not in them. The Lord was not in those things. He wasn't in those thoughts. He wasn't in those feelings. He wasn't in that response. And that was the 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 whole problem. The Lord wasn't in it. And so we have to be careful that we do what the Lord is in and that we flow in that spirit that God is in. And so what was the Lord presenting as the final answer to Elijah's discouragement was his still small voice. And I want to look at this in two ways of his voice being the answer. Of course, the first way is is hearing his voice. When we hear his voice, it brings so much to the table. It brings perspective. It brings peace. It brings strength, certainty, doubt flees when we hear his voice. You know, we don't get the whole answer you could say, but we, we hear what we need so that we can continue so that we can trust. And so, the first way to look at that is when we're in these situations of frustration, discouragement, and we find ourselves saying, is this even worth it? The solution is his still small voice. Because when his voice enters our spirit, it changes our perspective. Of course, he he changed Elijah's perspective because he said, Elijah, this can't be the end because I have a few things I want you to do. And Elijah received an update to his heavenly vision for his life, that he was to raise up a servant, Elisha, and he was to go anoint kings and to give further words and so forth. But also the Lord tells him, you're not alone. There's 7,000 other people with you that you didn't even know about. Sometimes we can be feel very alone, but the Lord is saying, no, there's, there's faithful people who are just in the exact situation you're in, trusting in God, believing in God and, at some point, we'll all be together in heaven. We'll be like, thank God, we, we all made it. And what fellowship we're going to have with each other in heaven. You know, it, sometimes we, we have a fellowship with a few people, but in heaven it's going to be a multitude of people who all went through the same things we did and were faithful and trustworthy, and we're going to say to each other, thank God, we all. <laughs> we, <laughs> we trusted in him and we held on and we didn't let go. And so God spoke to him through his still small voice. I want to come back to that thought of connection. And I mentioned that earlier, uh I think last week in the message and and for communion that thought of connection and it was something that that was brought out in one of the messages at convention. It was Pastor Daniel Gazaway and and that has just kind of stayed with me. That thought just and kind of like, it's like the Lord is just birthing that thought, a greater connection. God wants us to be connected with him. And it's so vital because that is how the voice of the Lord comes. When we're connected to him, his voice can speak to us. Now I brought an illustration. I've got a smartwatch. I also have a dumb watch. That's this one. This is smart, I guess, because it can do more stuff. But it's got a rechargeable battery. And smartwatch is not very smart if it's not charged. I found that out, you know, it shuts down. But what I wanted to illustrate is how this thing charges. And actually, I I was just kind of meditating on being connected. And the Lord gave this to me as an illustration. And I like how this is connected. It's kind of neat. All it does is it's got a magnet in it. And you hold it up and... It's just connected to it. And it's kind of neat. I like charging it. You just kind of toss it on there. You don't have to find some little hole, especially in the dark. You're trying to like, I got to charge this thing. You just go, it's kind of neat. But you know, this was what God was kind of saying to me. Here's heaven. Here's us. We're trying to get smart, right? We're trying to get charged and so forth. What's going to do that is that when we spend time connected to the Lord, when we're connected to Him. And, you know, that can happen in, in many ways, a multitude of ways. It can be in times of prayer, times in the Word, times of speaking in tongues, or times of even just sitting in His presence. I remember listening to one uh, message, I think it was on the way to convention, and, and Pastor Bailey was he was telling a story about someone else, and and someone was just sharing how they felt to just sit in God's presence and do nothing. And why they felt that is because the Lord spoke to them and basically caused them to understand the Lord is lonely sometimes. He's looking for fellowship. And when that man understood that, he's like, well, Lord, I'll spend time with you. And sometimes he would get up in the night and he would just sit there in God's presence. There wasn't a lot of activity, right? I mean, he didn't have like, like these divine words or visitations or visions of angels in heaven and so forth. But he said, Lord, I'll spend time with you. But you know what he was doing? was that? Connecting himself to the God of heaven. And sometimes we can look at these activities, you know, well, I read my Bible for the day. I didn't feel a lot. Man, is it worth it? I didn't really, I didn't have some divine revelation when I read the Bible. And sometimes I... Especially when I read Chronicles and I read all those names. and Lord, is it worth it? But you know what we're doing? Is that. And the more we connect to Him, the more we cause our spirit to be connected to His spirit, the more life we'll receive, and the more we will be able to hear His still, small voice. and so that's so vital that we are able to hear his voice. There's a second aspect I want to mention just in closing here about his voice is because his voice is powerful. When it enters our heart, there is power in his voice. And his voice is really the key. You know, when we're thinking about other people, you know, we can get upset with them, which we have already seen is not very fruitful. Well, what's the what's the change? What what will be fruitful? Well later on the Lord sends Elijah again and he sends him to Ahab which is kind of I'm I'm sure that was like Lord are you sure you want me to go back there? Well he sends him to Ahab and this is after Jezebel has killed Naboth so Ahab can get his vineyard. Well there were he had some wor- the word of the Lord for Ahab and it had an effect. Well, and let's read that in First Kings twenty-one, twenty-seven. And it came to pass when Ahab heard these words, they were words of judgment, basically saying, "I'm going to judge you because you've been wicked." And when Ahab heard these words, he rent his clothes, he put sackcloth on his flesh, and he fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and he went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The Tishbite saying, do you see how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he's humbled himself before me. I will not bring evil in his day, but in his son's day, I'll bring evil upon his house. That's a remarkable change. For this proud, arrogant, evil man, he humbled himself. But why? It's because of the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came from Elijah. Elijah. And it had an effect in his life. When we speak with our own voice, it can be very destructive, as we've seen in these different examples. But when we come with the voice of the Lord, because we've been connected to Him and spending time with Him and we've heard His voice and then we can share it. Now, in this instance, it's words of judgments. That's, that's the less common way. In the other way, it's words of life words of health, words of encouragement. When we bring the word of the Lord, that can bring the change we were, we're looking for in the lives of others. And so it's the, the voice of the Lord that will make a difference. Even Ahab repented at the voice of the Lord. I'm not sure for how long. I don't know how long he, it was effective in his life. But the voice of the Lord is powerful. We can read that in Psalm 29, verse 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yea, he breaks the cedars of Lebanon. It also goes on, it says, It divides the flames of fire. It causes the wilderness to shake. It's interesting that his still, small voice produces a lot of those things that God showed to Elijah. Yes, to Elijah on the mountain. We need his voice. We need to hear him. We need him to speak to us. And so it's so vital that we're able to hear his voice and gain his perspective. Lord, what do you think about this situation? Lord, these people or this situation is making me so upset. But Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, sh- let me see it through your eyes. What do you think about this situation? And it is His Word that will release power in our lives. It will give us fresh vision. It will show us what to say and what to do. And it will, will let the power of God flow through us as we speak His Word. And, and so let us learn to hear and rely upon His still, small voice. And Lord, we just thank You for Your Word in our, in our lives. Lord, we even just ask You forgiveness for times we've looked with our natural eyes and we've gotten discouraged and wanted to, to give up. We've gotten upset with other people and said things, Lord, and we acknowledge that and ask for Your cleansing. Lord, we just look to You now. Lord, we pray that You would come in a fresh way, that that, Lord, You would even, Lord, cause us to be connected to You in a new way. Even teach us, Lord, as we have those times we set aside of spending time with you. And Lord, would you even help us to do that? Lord, would you give us a a fresh desire to be connected with you? And Lord, just to spend time with you in your word and in your prayer and presence, oh God. Oh, draw us afresh. And that, Lord, as we do this, Lord, would you cause us to hear your still, small voice. As David prayed, Lord, that you would open up and dig out our ear to hear you in a new way, and Lord, that your word would be mighty in us, would be powerful, would be effective, that you would give us fresh perspective, fresh vision, fresh strength, and that, Lord, your word would flow through us, that, Lord, we would have a word in season to give to other people to encourage them. Oh, direct us and guide us, we pray. We thank you, oh, Lord, for your voice. Oh, lead us, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.